Welcome to the Rock of Bay County, Florida, where our vision is to be a multi-generational gathering, moving as one body to bring the glory of Yahweh to this beautiful county and to all the earth. We hope you are encouraged and blessed as you listen to this message. I want to encourage the, uh, the parents to really don't take this thing lightly of your kids being involved. We haven't had anything like this, and I, don't know we ha- I know we don't have a ton of the youth age kids or all the young boys, but you know, there's a, there's a cool movie that says, if you build it, they will come. And I feel like there's this, there's this, it's field of dreams, if you didn't figure that out. <clears throat> but, uh, but I believe th- we are led by the impulses of Holy Spirit. And it's not because things are a good idea. It's not just that it's a good idea that we get our kids, you know, around each other and around men that can teach them how to be more like men. It's not just a good idea. Those are good ideas. It's not just a good idea that we have a, a youth group that are like-minded, that walk together. That's, that, that is a good idea, but that's not why we're doing it. It's an being led by the impulses of Holy Spirit. And we could have done this, you know, throughout I mean, these past three, four years, and we've done it at times before, but right now is where I feel Holy Spirit just pressing on this thing, pressing on the kids, and I feel like it is the time, it's the spark, it's, we don't have all the things figured out, but that's not, that's not the kingdom. It's not about having everything figured out. And uh, I want to say, too, about um, Wednesday nights, we, we, had, uh, we had, this past Wednesday night, we had our first Wednesday night. Uh, since Yahweh called us to come together on Wednesday nights. One of the things that was the most important to me about Wednesday nights is that it's not just the typical, well, that's what church, church, we gather on Wednesdays and we gather on Sundays. And every once in a while, the really big churches, they'll gather on Sunday nights. They might have three or four services. This is why we do this thing is to get people in and get people out or make sure that everybody shows up so it makes you feel better about yourself. No, it's not that at all. It's being led by the impulses of Holy Spirit. And what he told me is that it's time to gather. It's time to gather. It's time to gather and pray with intentionality, not just go up and say we're praying in general, but get specific about some things we're believing to see in our city, in our land, being specific about some things we're believing to see in our nation, being specific about some things we're believing to see change in our own lives and miracles that we're supposed to see, that we're going to see, uh, that, that have presented themselves. They've come to us. People have come to us and said, I've got a, one of the ones I always says stirs me so much. And I believe with my entire heart I'm going to see a miraculous miracle in the life of Weldon. Olivia Sanchez brought that to me a, a long time ago, and for whatever reason, it's just continued to stick with me. And it's impossible. It's impossible. They're, every single doctor has turned them away. I don't know what the, what the answer is or what the... I know what the answer is. I don't know what the result exactly is going to be. I'm not worried about that. Like, like Stone just said, what if it doesn't work out? What if it does? B- Bill Johnson has an amazing quote that he says, uh, he says, uh, that's true. That's, that's a good one, man. We could just go through the list. Um, faith explores what revelation reveals. 
That faith, we, we talk about in here, faith is that, is that imuna is the word. It means act, firm action. It's not sitting around doing nothing. Most of these words we talk about and just have faith or believe, we think of it as just making ourselves. It's by our will. It's not by our will. It's response to his love, his glory, his power, everything that we carry within us. So anyways, Wednesday nights, I believe we're to come together. And so we had our first Wednesday night this past Wednesday, and it was, it was really, really powerful. It really was. I don't know what it was about it, and I can't give you the formula if you weren't there. I can't tell you exactly what played out. And if you were here and you didn't feel like it was all that powerful, I encourage you to keep coming. I encourage you to be here. And, and I want to talk about the little kids because obviously they're being highlighted. We, we had a staff meeting about the specifics of little kids being in those prayer services. We're only going to be here for like 45 minutes. You know, let's get these kids, like maybe have a little children's ministry situation set up. And I'll tell you right away, I made, I made the staff do this. I sat, we sat in, oh, they hate me for this, but we sat in this room and I said, okay, listen, you're not allowed to say, uh, uh, like say your reason behind why your answer is what your answer is. Because a lot of times I'll ask, it's like asking, you know, someone, where do you want to go to lunch? And they're like, well, I could go here, I could go there, I could go, and by the end of the conversation, you're like, so where do you want to go to lunch? And so I said, say yes or no, should we have children's ministry? All of us actually said yes. But then we came back and we talked through it, and none of us really, I don't think we could ever really stand firm in that. And I feel like over praying about it, over seeing that first Wednesday night of the kids being up here, I was reminded of the story of Jehoshaphat that we read recently. And it talks about, it talks about that uh, in, the, in the face of fear, we were talking about going in before the Lord and coming out. In their situation, it was against an army. But what it talks about is that they, they gather together with their wives and their little ones in the presence of the Lord. And there's this mentality, I think, that we say, well, they're not getting it. They are just sitting in a circle throwing the football back and forth, and they're not getting it. It's not, it's not about them getting it, so to speak, in the way that we think they should. They're getting it. There's an exposure to the anointing. There's an exposure to the presence. And it is our responsibility as a, I don't care if you're a parent in here or you're not a parent in here, you are a, you are a, a, a an adult, a, a leader, a pillar for these kids. And I, and I think it's so vital for the parents to bring your kids into a place like this and let them, whether they're standing, you know, worshiping or they're going crazy, whether they're postured or they're running and you're chasing them, don't, don't worry about all those things. Let's get our kids exposed to the anointing and let them see people with their hearts on fire and their hands raised. And let's gather together with our wives and our little ones in the presence of the Lord. And then let's understand that that's not enough. I've been really, uh, I've been kind of moved, I'd say, by this, um, this passage in, in, at the end of Joshua's life. Yahweh did amazing things, letting them go into the promised land, and they experienced such victory in the life of Joshua, and he 
encouraged Joshua to be able to, to walk in, in a leadership ability that he wasn't confident in. He was the one that said, be very courageous. But at the end of his life, which was 110 years, and some of those that followed around him, when they were all gone, the Bible says that there was a new generation that was born. And they did not know Yahweh. They're the ones that ushered in the idolic worship. They're the ones that ushered in the Baal worship. There was, this, there was something about not passing on the presence that you walked and not fully exposing them to the presence. So if you don't feel it on a Wednesday night or you don't feel it on a Sunday morning and it's just whatever and you'd rather be in your seat, I'm telling you, don't let our kids see that. Don't, don't let our kids see a watered-down image of the gospel. Let it be so alive in you. Let you be so filled with his presence that you are truly passing this on to the next generation. So there won't be another generation that didn't know Yahweh. If you, if you want to look at the today's issues in America, issues in the world, it's not because of a political system. That's a big problem in perpetuating it. The problem is, is that they have not been exposed to the authentic knowing relationship with Abba, the creator. It's not that they don't see your politics the same way that you see them. In fact, I hope that they see it from a completely different angle and get us out of this crazy mess. But the problem is that there's a, there's a generation that does not know Yahweh. And it is our job not to give them something that they've always seen, not to be a watered-down version of the gospel, not to be a watered-down church member that comes and just sits here and just says, yeah, that was a good song. That was, yeah, I see. I see. Isaiah 35 and the, you know, the blind eyes will see. That's, that's really, that's powerful. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Is that coffee still hot? We still got some coffee back there. I'm going to go get that. You know, like in this time, I want us to get up here, to get away from our coffee, to get away from our comfort, and to come into Amman, belief, agreement, with the words being declared over this house. But I said that's not enough that the kids just come in here because it's not our job to teach your kids the scriptures, and to teach your kids. Renee and them are doing an amazing job, and I understand the practical aspect of kids' ministry. I love it. I'm, I love all the things we got going on, but it is about you at your home, and if you're coming in here and you're on your cell phone scrolling through Facebook and Instagram, if you're looking at you know your text messages, if you're just doing whatever, and you're just here so that your kids can be in children's ministry, then you're here for the wrong reasons, and your child will not, will, don't, don't all of a sudden go, why, why, why did my child go away? because you trusted them to just the system to teach them something they need to see you on fire they need to see you in the scripture they need you teaching them about Noah they need you teaching them about Joseph what are you talking about what 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 is what is all this stuff when your kids come in and they teach you something about the bible that they learn in children's ministry why, why aren't our kids, why aren't our kids more exposed to this stuff? Why aren't we, why aren't we sitting down with them at our tables and our dinner tables, sitting down with our kids and saying like, I know you don't like that, but at this end of the day, you want ice cream for dinner too. So sit down and listen to the word of God. Sit down and let me teach you something. I, Renee talked about Richard and her, we're sitting there where Catherine, we're, we're worshiping on, on Wednesday nights and she literally stepped on her dress. 
See, you'll fight for them when they're 20 and 30 and they've gone wayward. I'll do it. I'll tell you, get in this house. You should be worshiping. You should be doing all this. I'll tell you all those things. But what about when they're the little ones? Will you fight then? Or you just say they don't get it? I'm telling you, it is our responsibility as a tribe. Baby June just walked in the door. And don't, uh, 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 is she asleep? She's asleep. All right, we, golf clap. New life, right there. Y'all find them a seat. Welcome, Andy and Kate. But I'm telling myself this because, I, like I always say, I'm not. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be a, an actor up here. I want to do. I want to do a, a better job as a parent, as, as as Eva and I, as parents, to teach our kids the scripture and not leave that to children's ministry. Children's ministry is great, but I, and I want that. I want them to be able to come together. There's practical aspects to it, but I want us as parents to be able to come together and teach our kids how to live their lives through how we activate it in our own lives. They've got to see it in you for it to be real. Word made flesh. Guess what today is? Happy Mother's Day, mommies. Happy Mother's Day, new mommy. I'm, I'm so thankful and blessed to have amazing, amazing mamas in my life, starting with my my mom over here, beautiful Ellen Gerles that we all know and love, I got raised by her. <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. But she's been such an amazing friend to me when I needed it. She's been a mom to me and, and helped correct me in areas, but she's also just been someone that I can call even in today and say, Mom, what, where, what do you think about this? Or I'm struggling with this. And she loves to just come in and, and, and talk through things with me. And sometimes she knows I just need to talk things out. So I'll call my mom. I still, I value and cherish my mom and, and the relationship we have. So that's amazing. I, I, uh, I, and then I'm bl- even just incredibly blessed to have my beautiful wife, Eva Gerlez, who's the mother of my children. And, uh, and it's, it's awesome to be raised by a, a, a faithful, amazing mom, but it's even more powerful for me to see the next generation that comes from me raised by such an amazing, powerful mom. And she does it so well, and I'm so thankful for her. And I'm so thankful for her mom, Basha, who's my mother-in-law. And, uh, and she's an amazing woman. I don't have that issue with not liking parents. I, I know Michael Paul, Michael Paul said this about his in-laws recently. I don't, I don't have the issue of, of struggling with my in-laws and, and not, not liking them. I have amazing in-laws and they're, she's like a mom to me and I, I love her so much. And then last but definitely not least, I want to I wanna honor, honor Tammy Thompson, who's Mama T to us, but she's such a spiritual mother uh, to Eva and I, and we're so thankful to have her in our lives. So happy Mother's Day. I know you didn't get to say it to your mom up on stage, but <laughs> perks, you know what I mean? Let's open to Isaiah 35. I literally could go on and on in that, uh, all the women that, that surround me in my life and all the moms from my beautiful Mimi too. She's, she's amazing. Is she here today or is she skipping out on church, huh? She's here? Oh, there she is. 
There she is. My awesome sister, Mary Catherine. My aunt, Cheryl. I could just keep going on and I'm just, I should probably stop. Isaiah 35. Have y'all read this before? I love what, um, looking the wrong one. Um, I love, I love what Yahweh's had, the, the kind of um, structure Yahweh's had us in. And I, it kind of, for a little bit, I, I bucked against it because it's like we keep rereading or redoing the, some of the same things that we've always read or, or uh, not that we've always read, but he might get us on a, a, a stream and we stay in that for a time. And it's, you know, it kind of, as, a, as someone who's ministering, as someone who's speaking, you, it's hard to not look at this and, and read it again and just be like, oh, people are just gonna be like over this. You know, like they've, they've read this, but I, but I always say I want this to become so a part of, so second nature that it just becomes our full-on nature, that we just, we know these words, that we believe these words. And so I love how he's had us in Isaiah. I mean, of all the chapters, Isaiah, so prophetic, so otherworldly, and so awesome. And, I, and so I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that he's teaching us uh, in this manner. So let's just read it for the first time again. The wilderness and dry land will be joyously glad. The desert will blossom like a rose and rejoice. Every dry and barren place will burst forth with abundant blossoms, dancing and spinning with delight. Shall love Jeffrey and Jess's new song, Isaiah 35. It's awesome. It's just another level of letting that get completely in your heart. You know? Apostle Ball, I think, used to talk about how he loves songs that just have, you know, are short because you end up, gets in you. You know, you just keep singing them over and over again. That might not have been him, but hey, he has plenty of credit. I'll give him, I'll give him that. Every uh, dry and barren place will burst forth with abundant blossoms, dancing and spinning with delight. Lebanon's lush splendor covers it, the magnificent beauty of Carmel and Sharon. My people will see the awesome glory of Yahweh, the beautiful grandeur of God. Part one, as I always say. There's, a, there's a, the promise. I, I recently wrote this down of that Yahweh, he rewards the questions with a promise. Oftentimes we're looking for the answer. You know, we, we ask questions, we don't know why something's taking place, we don't know why uh, certain things look a certain way, and we, we come to him with, a, with, with questions in our heart, which is absolutely, completely in order, and we should. We don't need to try to figure out how we just come before him and be so cautious and careful that we pray every prayer exactly right so that we're qualified in order to speak to Papa God. No, we come before him and we ask the question, but it's, it's, it's always so apparent to me that he answers with a promise. He kind of gives you that 30,000 foot view. Why? Because he wants you to trust in the Lord completely and do not lean on your own understandings. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Every step, you have to lean on him. Every step, you have to trust him. Every little bit, you have to trust that he's gonna be the light unto your feet. The pathway will be revealed. But he, he answers with a promise. So the first part is this promise. Here's what's going, this is what surely will come to pass. 
This is what surely will come to pass. The wilderness and dry land will be joyously glad. The desert will blossom like a rose and rejoice. Every dry and barren place will burst forth with abundant blossoms, dancing and spinning with delight. Lebanon's lush splendor covers it, the magnificent beauty of Carmel and Sharon. My people will see the beauty my people will see the awesome glory of Yahweh, the beautiful grandeur of God. They will see it, promise. One, so strengthen those who are discouraged. Strengthen those who are discouraged. Energize those who feel defeated. Say to the anxious and fearful, be strong and never afraid. Look, Here comes your God. Strengthen those who are discouraged. Energize those who feel defeated. Say to the anxious and fearful, be strong and never afraid. Look, here comes your God. He is breaking through to give you victory. He comes to avenge your enemies. With divine retribution, he comes to save you. Then, so that was part two of what we're called to do. Don't let that be uh, children's ministry 101 stuff because I'll tell you what, tell me that you don't buck every single time someone says that they're sick. Or that there's not just a little bit of like question of like, well, should I, you know, even someone like Stone who I feel like is one of the most uh, confident in his faith. There's this, there's this as sons and daughters of Yahweh, when someone says I'm sick, when someone says I've, I've got cancer and I only have so long to live, when someone says I've been walking with a limp for so long and I can't, I, I can't ever shake it, when someone says that, let's not let our response to what's within us be, we'll, we'll pray for you, we're praying for you, or oh, shoot, I hate that, I hate that, no, come on, come on. Strengthen those who are discouraged. Energize those who feel defeated. Say to the anxious and fearful, be strong and never afraid. Look, here comes your God. He is breaking through to give you victory. He comes to avenge your enemies. With divine retribution, he comes to save you. And if we can do that, then guess what happens? Then the blind eyes will be opened and the deaf ears will hear. Then the lame will leap like a Playful deer and the tongue tied will sing songs of triumph. Gushing waters will spring up in the wilderness and streams will flow through a desert. Gushing waters will spring up in a wilderness and streams will flow through the desert. The burning sand will become a refreshing oasis. The parched ground bubbling springs and the dragons layer a meadow with grass reeds and papyrus. There will be a highway of holiness called the sacred way. The impure will not be permitted on this road, but it will be accessible to God's people and not even fools will lose their way. We are, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. We've been filled with the Spirit of God. But I want to challenge us to know that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit of God so that you can just pray in tongues and feel better. Let that sit for a second. 
Praying in tongues is amazing. He is the comforter. But we don't have the spirit of the living God pulsing through our veins. We don't have the same spirit that brought Christ back from the dead so that when we don't feel good, we can shackalack for five minutes and start to feel a little more comforted. The Bible tells us that our life is not our own. In 1 Corinthians, it says, do, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? That he dwells within you, and he was given to you by God, and your life is not your own. It was bought with a price. So let your bodies honor Yahweh. So let your actions honor Yahweh. So let the spirit that's within you come out of you. Let the, let the spirit that's within you be accessible to people around you. Let, let, let you be the one that steps up to the plate when someone says, I'm hurting. What if it doesn't work out? What if it does? What if I look like an idiot? Well, I'll just stop right there. Peculiar, weird, no. Peculiar, set apart, peripoesis, one exclusively belonging to another. And I believe that what we have got to do is start to wake up to this, anoint, this anointing type mentality. This, the, the, the anointing, Yeshua says, we'll, we'll read it in Isaiah 61 real quick because it, it says it way better than I can, but, but Isaiah 61 is talking about the spirit of the Lord being upon me because he has anointed me. This is what Yeshua prophesied in Luke. Let's read it real quick in Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, this is, this is what Yeshua gets up and prophesies in Luke, but this is the prophecy that, he's, that he's, he's speaking from. It says, the mighty spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me. Like, so I, I think about these things visually as far as my responsibility. The spirit of the living God is wrapped around me. That means he's within me, he's on top of me, he's in my legs, he's in my feet, he's in my hands, he's wrapped completely around me. And everybody that comes in contact with me should experience a measure of the spirit that's been wrapped around me. The mighty spirit of Yahweh is wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me. Because Yahweh anointed me. Do you remember when we talked about the anointing and what that meant in Hebraic culture? There was a, there's a smearing on the head of anointing. When he says, he anoints my head in the presence of my enemies, when he sits him at the table, he anoints my head with oil and he, and he fills my cup until it runs over. It, the, there's this, in, in Hebraic culture, it was a sign of, of health. Like they would, they would um, I know there's a lot of oils out there now that people use for health purposes. There's, it was used for, uh, as a sign of hospitality with someone coming into your house. They would mark their head with oil just as a way of, it's basically a hug of saying, welcome into my home. And then there was the most impactful, I think, and one of the most important things, and what I think he means when he says, and I, he anoints my head with oil, is that there was a pouring of oil over those that were consecrated unto him. That when he called a king,
when he called a shepherd boy that shouldn't have been a king, Samuel anointed his head with oil. It's a call to consecration. It's a separating yourself. And so it says, the mighty spirit of Yahweh is wrapped around me. Why? Because he is anointing me. He's calling me. The spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has called you to something different than everything that goes on in the world. As a messenger to preach good news to the poor. See, we, we take that immediately and go, you know, the, I, I love this scripture that says that all the, you know, Pentecostal preachers use to say, don't touch God's anointed ones. Meaning, if I say something wrong, don't say anything about me behind my back because you're touching God's anointed one. No, you know what? When Yeshua came to dwell within us, guess what you are? The anointed ones. And it's not reserved for one preacher who can speak the Bible. It's reserved for his sons and daughters that are here in the earth. And so don't pass this off to someone who can speak clearly, who can articulate the words. Understand that you are called to preach. Another translation that preach means to be. The mighty spirit of Yahweh is wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me. He has set me part, apart as a messenger to be good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell captives you are free. And to tell prisoners, be free from your darkness. I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace. So you've got an anointing, which is you being called set apart. And then you've got grace, which is Holy Spirit living within you. The empowerer to walk out the anointing that you've got. It says... I am sent to announce a new season of Yahweh's grace and a time of God's recompense on his enemy to comfort all who are in sorrow, to strengthen those crushed by despair who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful bouquet in the place of ashes. Counter the culture. Counter the situation. Counter the circumstance. Apostle Paul used to say that you need to look at the world and turn 180 degrees, go the other direction. to strengthen those who are crushed by despair, who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful bouquet in the place of ashes, the oil of bliss instead of tears, and a mantle of joyous praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. Because of this, they will be known as mighty oaks of righteousness planted by Yahweh as a living display of his glory. They will restore ruins from long ago and rebuild what was long devastated. They will renew ruined cities and desolations of the past generations. Foreigners will be appointed to shepherd your many flocks. Strangers will cultivate your fields and tend your vines. So, your life is not your own. The thing that Yahweh's put on my heart this week is this is sometimes I believe we sacrifice our testimony on the altar of comfort. Say that again. We sacrifice our testimony on the altar of comfort. We take what we think we're good at and we say that we're in the presence and favor of Yahweh because I'm talented. 
You know, people think that they're in the presence and favor of Yahweh because they're talented at something, because you can play an instrument really good, or because you're really good at finances and business, and and you can do all of these things. You understand that those are talents. Doesn't mean they're not God-given talents, but you know what? Even the world has talents. Even the world has talents. Why? Because my Bible says that we are all created in the image of God. So why can a wicked person actually succeed in life? Well, he was ultimately created in the image of God. There are things and creative qualities within him that help him to be successful, but he's talented. Anointing is something completely different. There's a separation. There's a call that says, I know you're talented. I know that you have talent in this area or that area, but you're called to impossibility. And ultimately, when I call you to anointing, you're going to need a grace, something that is so beyond otherworldly than that, that you have, because it's going to be a sign and a wonder unto the culture around you. And I think that sometimes we don't step into the fullness of who we're supposed to be. We're not willing to sit down and to listen to God. We're not willing to sit down, stop. What, what were the words? What did he say? What did uh, Pastor Chuck say? Sit down, relax, and talk to God. We're not willing to sit down and relax and and hear what God has to say about our own lives. Instead, we go, we're really good at business, so I'm going to be in business. I'm telling you today, I feel this this unction within us, this, this pressing within me to say that we need to get past our talents and start to look into our calling. To be willing to jump off the edge of the pool because there's a father there waiting to catch us, that we need to do things that require grace. And if you think that you just don't have it in you to go pray for somebody, if you don't have it in you to pay for someone's you know, food or whatever that might be simple, or you don't have it within you to start this new business, or you don't have it within you to, to take this new step, this new leap of faith, understand that there's this scripture that says, faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. That's called grace. That's called the empowerment of Holy Spirit within your life. So, when Yeshua stands up and he says, the spirit of Yahweh is wrapped around me, this is what he's saying within us too. The the mighty spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me because he has anointed me as a messenger to preach the good news to the poor, to be the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell the captives you are free, and to tell prisoners be free from your darkness. I had written down Gideon this week. We've read a lot about Gideon. And my friend Henry Jordan texted me this morning. I, I, and so since he texted me, it's just, it's just confirmation about Gideon. Yahweh always chooses the most unlikely of heroes in the Bible. that he chooses his spirit to fall upon, that he anoints for a purpose. And I feel like he does that for each and every one of us, but it's our willingness to say yes to that call. Gideon is a man who is literally hiding the wheat he's threshing in a wine press because of fear that the Midianites are going to come down from the hills and take it from him. They had put them in such famine, so he's literally crouched down, hiding that he's, that he's getting this wheat out in the wine press so that they don't see it. And all of a sudden, in that moment, the angel of the Lord comes to him and he says, 
Rise up, mighty man of valor, of bravery. What? You're talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. The Spirit of the Lord is wrapped around you. He's anointed you. What do we do with this favor and this anointing and the presence and the reformation and all of these things? What do we do with the Holy Spirit infilling? When it wraps around us, he says, no, you, you, you've been chosen. I, I'm choosing you. The Spirit of the Lord is wrapped around you. And he starts going off in a question and he's like, you know what? Look, we are the weakest. There's no possible way. Where are all these miracles? What are we walking? We're in this famine. There's no way that there's any kind of presence of the Lord in this day. Like a lot of people could say, there's no presence in this current situation. There's, there's nothing. And he, says, and he says, you will defeat the Midianites. You will do this as one man. Mighty man of valor. Not because you're good at it, not because it comes easy to you, but because he's calling us to a place that's unlike any other. That, that, that you know, uh, one time I sat in Apostle's office right after, right after he had passed, and I was sitting up in his office, and I don't remember if you played this tape, Joe, or if, if it was just something that was in his tape player that I, that, that I went and pressed play. And I wish I had the tape right now, but it's this like really crackly kind of old school tape sound that comes on the speaker. And here comes Apostle's voice, which all of us can recall that have ever heard him. And he starts to talk about that at the end of a man's days, people should look at his life and say that was impossible. At the end of his days, it should draw men to his source and not be like that was that was possible. That, 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 that works, that checks off. And it's something that, that has propelled me oftentimes in my life to say, what is it that you're calling me past of what I can possibly do right now today? What is it that's gonna bring, bring glory to, to your name? David the shepherd boy. And what about his disciples? bunch of scrubs but not with Yeshua not with Holy Spirit within us that was a quick introduction into not what I'm going to say today but I just felt I felt propelled it wasn't a quick introduction the end of this is going to be quick as well I want you to be able to go home and celebrate with your mamas Um, but I want you to turn to Romans 12 we're going to read through this once again Oh, it's all about the passion. <laughs> all right, you there? Romans 12 says, Beloved friends, what should, our pro- what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? What should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God, to be his sacred living sacrifice, and to live in holiness, exclusive, peculiar, to live in holiness, to live our lives in holiness, to separate ourselves, to know that we have been anointed. To live in holiness. 
See, a lot of times we mix up holiness with righteousness. His righteousness is imputed. It's not about just doing everything the right way. It's about separating yourself, separating your time, separating your day, separating your mind, holy, set apart unto him. Live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Two, I always say this, verse one is actually more powerful than verse two, even though we always quote Romans 12 too, because it's, it's cool. But, but really, honestly, beloved friends, what should be our, our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? And then you step into two and say, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. What's God's will? My man. What's God's will? Say it with some backbone. What's God's will? How, the reason I love to say that on earth as it is in heaven so much is because it puts the responsibility right on us. Because we are that vessel, we are that flow. We are the heaven-earth connection. Verse 3. God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of, image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as a standard of measurement. If it's not too big to be true, or it's not too good to be true, it's not true enough. Like what we're called to should require faith. Not your talent, your faith. I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using God-given faith as a standard of measurement. And then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. So this is where I want to go with this. I want to read about this, this part because I want to keep instilling in us how we are a tribe, how that this is not about one man up here preaching a word. I don't always have the words to say, but I always have the one within me that does. I, I don't always have the, 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 the answer to every piece of this puzzle, but you do. And us coming together as a tribe and being joined together is so much more vital than one person being able to speak. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. This is the tribe. A tribe, a, a tribe in, in, in culture before, in, in, in early times, would have been, there might be someone who could be a chief. There could be someone that was a leader, but every single person carried a responsibility within that tribe to make sure that the tribe flourished together. They were deeply interested in each person within that tribe, making sure that we all walk together and keep each other accountable, that we each did our part to make sure that the tribe is successful. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function, and so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled together into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined. We are all vitally joined to one another with each, con with each contributing, con contributing to the others. 
Six says God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts. So if God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. Prophesy. Understand these are grace gifts, not talents. Grace gifts, gifts given by grace. If your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. And if you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing the mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members as one family. Try to outdo yourself in respect and honor of one another. I want to jump to 15 real quick just to go in line with that. 15 says, celebrate with those who celebrate and weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of another one's worth as you are your own. I'm not gonna give you context or tell you where this came from, but this week I was, I was actually somewhat called out on that. they're right and we as a tribe need to be extremely mindful of where others are we as a tribe need to be extremely mindful of each other's worth and what value they bring to the table we as a tribe need to not just say well you know I know that this person's dealing with something why don't you give them a call why don't you check in why don't you comfort those that are within the tribe I love Donna does that very well I'm so thankful to have her on this team because she does that extremely well. But we need to do that for each other. We need to be praying in intercession for one another. 11, going back, says, Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. I'll tell you what. I know it seems a little bit strange, but I don't want to go any further than that. I want to read Romans 12, and I'm going to stop right there. Guys, I want the worship team to come up here. Hop to, hop to, hop to, hop to, hop to. Sometimes I I can get myself into a place of where I feel like I need to keep going to fill a service, and I don't want to do that. I know what Yahweh spoke to me today was that we need to look into the, the separating part of anointing versus talent. Don't stop where your talent leaves off. Look for the impossible. We were born for impossible. We were born to be streams in a desert. And so I'm going to give that to you. I want you all to stand. Guys, uh, 
I know y'all have done promises. I want to do promises. I want to, I want to, I just want to come together. Let's move back up here, up to the front. And I just want us to, to sing about his faithfulness to us. says this, faithful through the ages, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you've proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn. When you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. From the rising sun to the setting same, I will praise your name because great is your faithfulness to me. When the seasons change, you remain the same. God, from age to age, to the earth may pass away. Your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. Once again, there's, there's nothing you can't do. He is the God of impossible, and he wants to work the impossibilities of this life through you. You are the stream. Not someone else, not some preacher, not somebody who has a following, but you. You in Target, you in Chili's, like you said, We are the streams in the desert. Your faithfulness, it never runs out. Abba, we love you so much. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the mothers in this house. We thank you for the moms that have kids and the moms that don't have kids in this house. The spiritual mommies. I thank you for this tribe, and I just ask, Father, that you start to bind us together. Bind us together in a way that we've never been bound together. Let us, let us start to have a spirit of intercession come, a spirit of care, a spirit of, of, of understanding each other's worth as we, as, we, as we stand together in the tribe, seeing the giftings and anointings and things that you put on people's lives and how they impact us. Let us be able to recognize your anointing on their lives and just bind us together in a deeper unity than we've ever experienced, Father. I just ask that you bless this people as we sing this today. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on The Rock of Bay County, please go to therockofbc.org.